In the sports world, success can be so fleeting. On this morning in 2015, fans in Toronto were waking up with more exuberance than they had in over a decade. You see, the night prior, Jose Bautista had launched a massive home run and his bat with it, and the Blue Jays were propelled into the American League Championship Series. The joy of that success was short-lived, as less than 10 days later, they had been bounced from the playoffs, their World Series aspirations left unfulfilled. Since that time, the city has experienced championships in the AHL, CFL, and MLS, as well as another trip to the ALCS for the Jays, and the city seemed primed to become a hotbed of sporting success. It's hard to believe that was three years ago. And now, the Blue Jays' competitive window has been slammed firmly shut. Toronto FC will miss the playoffs this year. The Argos will, similarly, fail to repeat as Grey Cup champions. The Marlies are off to a 1-4 start. The Raptors enter arguably the biggest make-or-break season in the history of the franchise, and the Maple Leafs have taken steps to put themselves in the championship conversation. And so while we spend our evenings and weekends admiring these athletic gladiators, debating salary cap ramifications, and pounding the phone lines of local talk radio shows, let's remember to take a moment to savor the accomplishments. As history shows us, we don't know how long the good times will last. Hello, hello. Welcome to the 416 Sports Show. It's Monday, October 15th, 2018. I'm Matt Antonio. You can find me on Twitter at Dinick, D-I underscore N-I-C, the 416 Sports Show, available for streaming download on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google, wherever else you find your podcast, you will be able to find the 416 Sports Show. We would appreciate if you leave a review, a rating, a comment, share it with your friends and family, anyone who you think might be interested in this type of thing. Today, we're going to be talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their blistering 5-1 and start to the new NHL season. And the Raptors are about to begin their campaign. I mentioned off the top, the most make or break in the history of the franchise, perhaps. So we'll take a look at some key questions surrounding that group as they begin uh, or prepare to be- begin for their new campaign, which starts on Wednesday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, do a quick uh, little wrap-up, perhaps uh, get to some TFC, a little bit of Blue Jays uh, as they're in a managerial search, and some thoughts on the MLB playoffs, uh, and a few stray thoughts on the NFL calendar uh, in what was a, another highly entertaining week, six weeks now in the books uh, of the NFL season, and it uh, remains just as unpredictable as ever, but we will begin with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mentioned four, five, and one to begin the season. Uh, a perfect four and zero road trip through Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, and Washington. And that win on Saturday night in Washington, uh, to me, that was a, a statement win, as much of a statement win as you can have on October the thirteenth, just six games into the season. Uh, but that was by far the toughest team they'd faced. Uh, It was on the road, the end of a long road trip, uh, and the team has not been uh, playing great. They'll be the first to tell you that uh, there are areas of the game that could be shored up. Uh, Questions about Frederick Anderson uh, and whether, you know, he was going to have another typical October stat line as he has in his first two years here in Toronto. But that was a complete team effort on Saturday night. Uh, I thought they dominated big stretches of the game, especially considering they you know, fell behind 18 seconds in and you kind of roll your eyes and say, oh my God, here we go again. They've given up the first goal five out of six games this year, uh, which is troubling, but uh, don't think we're going to dwell too much on that at this point. Um, 
So they were trailing 18 seconds in, but I thought they showed great uh, battle the remaining the remainder of that first period. Uh, and then tied it up in the second, and then they fall behind quickly again, tied it up, 2-2 going to the third period, and then a huge power play goal by Josh Levo, of all people, the second power play unit, uh, giving a little bit of support to the first unit, who had been 7-for-14 heading into that game, 50% through five games. Uh, and then Austin Matthews with the uh, big insurance marker in the final uh, three minutes, I think it was, three or four minutes. Uh, to give uh, the Leafs a victory. I thought it was the best game of the season for Frederick Anderson. I thought it was the best game of the season for Igor Ozhiganov. It's been a little bit up and down for him as he adjusts to the NHL. Same with Par Lindholm, who we don't know a whole lot about this guy other than he's you know a veteran guy coming over from Sweden who's supposed to be the fourth-line center. Uh, but they've been using him on the wing with Nazem Kadri and Connor Brown and Frederick Goche, who also looks you know a little bit better this year, maybe a little bit of a quicker step. Looks just a little bit more comfortable. Uh, at the NHL level, hasn't I haven't, you know, d- uh, dived into the, um, you know, some of the underlying numbers that were not favorable to Goche last year. Uh, but he's been on that fourth line with Levo, and uh, they've rotated out Tyler Ennis and Andreas Janssen, who got back in the lineup uh, towards the end of the week. I believe it was Saturday that he got back in. He missed Tuesday and Thursday. Now Ennis uh, appears to be a healthy scratch again uh, Monday evening as the Leafs take on the Kings. As will kind of rotate through those spots. Justin Hall, the only member of the team who has not played in a game yet this season. And it does not appear that he's going to get in uh, tonight. And with Pittsburgh on the horizon on Thursday, can't imagine that uh, that's an opportunity that you'd want to throw him in to his first action of the season. But um, again, going back to that game in Washington, they dominated for large stretches of the game. And the, the parts of the game that they didn't dominate, Frederick Anderson made huge saves. Easily, like I said, his best game of the season. He looked very sharp. Uh, I thought for the most part he was sharp in Dallas, uh, despite the fact he gave up four goals. Less sharp in Detroit, uh, and they hung on for the 5-3 win there. So it's uh, an encouraging sign to see them put together a uh, a full perfor- a relatively full performance, as, as full a performance as we've seen this year, uh, in their toughest contest so far. Uh, I wrote in my article on MattDeniclantonio.com on Friday that this this next fortnight is going to be a, a big test for the Leafs, starting with that game Saturday in Washington. Now they've got home games against L.A., Pittsburgh, and St. Louis this week, and then a home-and-home home Wednesday and Saturday with the Winnipeg Jets. So those are six games with teams who are expected, uh, re- reasonably expected, to make the playoffs this year or to at least be uh, in the thick of things. Whereas their first five games, you had Montreal, Ottawa, uh, who are not expected to be in the playoffs. Chicago, maybe a fringe team. Dallas, maybe a fringe team. Detroit, not expected to be in. So six games straight against legitimate teams that sh- could or should be in the playoffs. And they passed the first test on Saturday night with that victory in Washington. Now they'll move on to this three-game homestand starting Monday night against uh, an old friend, Dion Phaneuf, and the Los Angeles Kings. Phaneuf now on his second club since being dealt away uh, from Toronto a couple of seasons ago. Um, I had in my notes that I wrote last night, when are we going to see Garrett Sparks again? The Leafs don't have a back-to-back until November 10th and 11th, nine straight games uh, without a back-to-back before then. But he is getting the call Monday night against the Los Angeles Kings, uh, which is an interesting spot. uh, Although I guess um, I'm glad that Babcock is putting him in a position to succeed. Unlike the last couple of years where the backup goaltender has only gotten the second night of a back-to-back. But, uh, Sparks will get a, a fresh team. They're home off uh, off the road trip, but it's a home game, so the team will be a little bit more comfortable, a, a more 
a comfortable environment for him. Um, you know, you can get get into that game day routine a little bit better. Uh, and so I, I'm glad to see him get put into a position that he can bounce back after uh, what was a pretty rough first start, giving up those six goals in Chicago a little over a week ago. And like I said, without uh, a back-to-back situation until November 10th and 11th, it was entirely possible that we wouldn't see Garrett Sparks for a month after that first first game. So uh, I'm glad that Babcock is is reverting away from that um, only on a back-to-back situation. Uh, maybe that will be primarily the way he still uses the backup this year, uh, but perhaps just getting him a start in now is the long time off in between games. You don't want to be playing your backup having only their second game on November 11th, uh, you know, 15, 16 games into the season. So uh, a good job for Mike Babcock, and I look forward to seeing what Garrett Sparks can do tonight. And I, uh, and this being Monday night, if you are listening on Tuesday, it was last night, and you already know uh what happened in that game, but I'm looking forward to seeing how Garrett Sparks responds. Uh, he did every once in a while in the NHL have a, a bit of a rough outing, uh, but he always seemed to bounce back, and his numbers last year were fantastic. As we mentioned, goaltender of the year in the AHL. I have full confidence uh, that Sparks will be able to get the job done at the NHL level. It's a little difficult for Leafs fans right now when you see Sparks has only played one game, six goals against, and Curtis McElhinney has you know, already gotten a couple of starts with the Hurricanes, and he looks just as sharp as he had been with the Maple Leafs. But you got to look long term, and in, in the in the long view, the Maple Leafs did the right thing. It was just unfortunate that they had to lose McElhinney and uh, Calvin Pickard on waivers, uh, as the goaltending at the AHL level has certainly taken a hit. Casimir Kaskasuo and Jeff Glass are their tandem down this year, and uh, Kaskasuo suffered an injury. Uh, had to be removed from the game on Sunday, and uh, no word yet on whether that's going to be a long-term injury or not. But uh, three weeks ago, it looked like the Leafs were in a great position of depth with goaltending and uh, now suddenly looking perilously thin uh, in uh, in between the pipes. Uh, special teams for the Leafs have been fantastic. We talked about the, the power play and how well that's been. The penalty kill has been almost equally strong. They gave up uh, a goal to Evgeny Kuznetsov in the second period uh, on Saturday night against the Capitals, but uh, I'm going to give credit to Kuznetsov. That was an incredible shot, sneaking it up over the near side shoulder of Frederick Anderson. Uh, Anderson clearly, uh, you know, kind of playing pass, cutting off an angle, and Kuznetsov had a very small window to put it in, and he put it there. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, you sometimes you just tip your cap and say great shot and uh, it didn't end up hurting the Leafs in the long run as they ended up winning the game. But uh, they currently rank second on the power play, 47%. Of course, these numbers uh, are skewed a little bit by the early going and a small sample size, but power play operating at 47%. Their penalty kill is at 81%, which right now puts them 11th uh, in the league. But again, a little bit skewed. They've played six games. They've played more games than anybody else in the NHL right now. You look at the number one penalty kill is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've only played three games. So they're, and they're 100%. Um, so that's, things are going to sort of normalize and even out a little bit over the next couple of weeks as, as the games played um, kind of even out as well for the Maple Leafs. And I anticipate by, you know, let's say two weeks from now, uh, they've got the three games this week and next week, a long four day break from Saturday to Wednesday. Uh, and then a two-day break again before their game on Saturday. So we'll have an opportunity for some other teams to catch up on the game's play department. But 
I've th I've thought that stats aside, the penalty kill has looked better. They're a little bit more aggressive. They're they're kind of chasing the puck around a little bit more, but in a good way. I thought last year they were very stationary, kind of reactionary, and now they're kind of forcing the other team to to make a play, make a good pass, take a shot. They did a great job by neutralizing Ovechkin on Saturday night. Uh, Tavares in particular, uh, really kind of leaning to that one side to avoid uh, the pass going across. So structurally, tactically, they look better. They've got some skilled players. Tavares getting some minutes, Marner getting some minutes, uh, Hyman and Brown, always hard workers on that unit. Lindholm has looked good as well. So uh, I just structurally like the way that they're playing on the penalty kill. And I think that that is uh, what they're doing is sustainable for, for long-term success throughout the course of the season. And I think that they're certainly capable of finishing as a top 10 unit on the penalty kill as well. So it should be a good uh, measuring stick, as I said, these next couple of weeks, but this week in particular, three consecutive home games, Monday, they are hosting the Los Angeles Kings. As I mentioned, that's a 7.30 puck drop on Sportsnet. Thursday, a 7 o'clock puck drop when Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins come to town. That game on TSN. And then the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night, 7 o'clock on CBC Hockey Night in Canada. Should be a good home swing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Raptors will begin the 2018-19 NBA season on Wednesday. And they start off with three games in four days. Wednesday at home to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Friday at home to the Boston Celtics, and then less than 24 hours later, they will take on the Washington Wizards in the U.S. Capitol. Uh, the biggest storyline, I think, around the Raptors, of course, aside from the fact that they have Kawhi Leonard, I think we're we're still getting used to that, but we're, we're not really counting that as the big storyline. We want to see him play, but it's, you know, it's been acknowledged that Kawhi Leonard is a Toronto Raptor. So now that he is a Toronto Raptor, let's see you know, how he impacts this team, how well he plays, etc. cetera. Uh, and one of the biggest storylines is the fact that it, it appears that new head coach, rookie head coach Nick Nurse uh, is going to be throwing a wrench into the starting lineup. Um, Dwayne Casey used pretty much the same starting five last year as long as they were healthy. It was Jonas Valanciunas, OG Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, DeMar DeRozan. As long as those guys were healthy, they were starting. JV's Pretty much been a starter his entire career since his rookie season. This has been documented. Read a couple articles over the weekend. Doug Smith and the Toronto Star had a good one. Michael Grange on Sportsnet.ca uh, outlined this as well. So for, for uh, further analysis, you can check out those articles. But uh, Nick Nurse appears to want to be a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more versatile. The roster itself is pretty versatile. And so we may see him use different lineups, different starting lineups based on who they're playing. We may see a little bit more of Sergi Baca playing center, and then you you filter in Ananobi, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. They add that three-point shooting capability and really would give the team five three-point shooters on the court at one time, which is kind of the, you know, the way the NBA is headed and the way the Raptors had, had sort of been one of the last teams to fully adopt that style of play, and they forced... DeMar DeRozan to try and add a three-point shot to his game, and Jonas Valanciunas to add a three-point shot to his game, and both of them did, you know, to varying levels of success, but it wasn't the strength of their games, and it at times kind of hindered the Raptors in the way that they could play, but now with, you know, much more versatile pieces in the, in the roster, in the rotation, it gives Nick Nurse a lot more choice in terms of what he wants to do. And so that will be one of the more fascinating things to keep an eye on as we get into the start of the season is, uh, you know, which units are most successful and how are these units deployed differently than they had been in the past. And of course, the 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 big star additions of, of Leonard and Green 
are going to throw a, you know a wrench into things anyway. But how does Nick Nurse use these pieces? How does he use the existing pieces in ways that his predecessor did not? And those are going to be the key questions in evaluating both Nick Nurse as a rookie head coach and the job that Masai Ujiri has done uh, as the architect of this team and you know really kind of pivoting the direction of this team uh, heading into this season, taking a huge gamble on Kawhi Leonard this year from a health perspective, from an involvement perspective, uh, and in a long-term perspective, you know, in the, the the high likelihood that Leonard is not here beyond this season, and if they don't win this season, you're looking at probably blowing things up uh, in the next year or two. So uh, they still have one of the strongest benches in the league. Many people, you know, rank them either at the top or very near the top in terms of bench depth. And that should allow them opportunities to continue uh, to dominate games, especially against weaker teams when they can throw out this bench mob unit that's much stronger than any bench unit that the opposition can put put out and still allow them to rack up points while the starters are, are resting uh, and the bench can play some meaningful minutes. So, you know, can they, can they top last year's franchise record of 59 wins? Can they win the Eastern Conference again? Those are the big questions that we're we're looking at. But again, and it's been two or three years in a row, those questions almost don't matter at all. Like if the Raptors finish second or third in the East, less than 59 wins, but go farther in the playoffs, you know, whether that's an NBA Finals or a seven-game series of an Eastern Conference Finals, that's how this team will truly be measured. I know we're sick of hearing it. We're sick of saying it. We're sick of talking about it. But the regular season, at least the results portion, do not carry as much significance, as much weight in the long-term picture of how this team uh, you know, will be assessed. So some some key questions that, that we, we think about for the Raptors as we start the season and some things that we're going to be keeping an eye on as the season goes along. They played a different style throughout the regular season last year, that was supposed to translate to playoff success. They'll be doing that again this year. They're they're tweaking their style and their culture even more this year. Will that make a difference? What do we have to see during the regular season that is different from last year that will make us feel more confident about this team's chances in the postseason? If Boston is healthier, you know, a full season or any type of involvement from Gordon Hayward, and a full season from Kyrie Irving for starters, are they better than the Raptors? Philadelphia is another year developed, and they have three young superstars, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and uh, and Fultz. Are they better than the Raptors? LeBron James isn't in Cleveland anymore, but they still have Kevin Love and some other good pieces in place there. Are they better than the Raptors? And again, if they're better than the Raptors in the regular season, does any of that matter? If Kawhi, if Kawhi Leonard returns to the form that he had before his ankle injury in the 2016 playoffs, is there any team in the Eastern Conference that can beat them? Assuming that you're getting your usual effective contributions from Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, etc. CJ Miles, you know, DeLon Wright, you go down the list. If he is at the top of his game and the rest of the team is as good as they were last year, I think these guys are the best team in the Eastern Conference. But we've got to play the full 82 first, see where they end up at that point, uh, and then we'll go from there. It's it's the beginning of a long journey. Uh, there are going to be some bumps along the way, but we're going to be evaluating this team all season with an eye to how things might be different 
six months from now. Schedule this week, once again, Wednesday, home opener, season opener, 7.30 tip against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That game will be on TSN Friday versus Boston, 8 o'clock on Sportsnet 1, Saturday at Washington, 7 o'clock on TSN. The Toronto Blue Jays uh, are in the you know offseason swing as the MLB playoffs roll on. And some names have emerged in their search for a new manager as uh, John Gibbons was let go at the end of the recently concluded 2018 season. Some names that have emerged. Sandy Alomar Jr., brother of Blue Jays legend Roberto Alomar. He was among the candidates when John Farrell was hired back in... I guess that was 2011, 2010, whatever year that was. Uh, Stubby Clapp, uh, Canadian Baseball Canada icon and uh, has been working in the St. Louis Cardinals minor league system for a number of years. Rocco Baldelli, uh, former Tampa Bay Devil Ray, has been working uh, in the Rays organization. Another, a pair of former Blue Jays players, John McDonald, currently in the Indian system. Chris Woodward, who spent some time in the Dodgers system. Uh, David Bell from the San Francisco Giants system. Uh, you throw in internal candidates, DeMarlo Hale, who's been the bench coach under John Gibbons, uh, John Schneider, who's managed in AA, and Bobby Meacham, who's uh, been managing in AAA in the Blue Jays organization. And that appears to be the shortlist for now. I just riled off, you know, what, nine names there? Uh, it's unclear at this point which five or six have been selected for in-person hearings, Um but those guys are the ones who appear to be at the top of the list, and those names are on some other uh, managerial search lists as well, as the Jays are not the only club looking for uh, a manager right now. So they'll kind of have to compete with other clubs um, for for these for these guys' services. But those are some of the names to keep an eye on. And a great, que- uh, great uh, article on Sportsnet.ca this week from Ben Nicholson-Smith uh, outlining 20 questions, I think it was 20 questions, um, that if he were running... The managerial search, he would ask any uh, prospective candidate. And there's some really, really insightful uh, questions on there. Some hypothetical questions, some tactical questions, some more long-term philosophical questions. Uh, you know, some very player-specific Blue Jays hypothetical questions. Uh, it was, uh, I'm not going to, you know, step on the toes of, of uh, Ben's Ben's work. It was fantastic. So if you're interested in, in reading that, I highly re- recommend it uh, on sportsnet.ca. So, so check that out. But uh, that's kind of the biggest um, chess piece, I guess, for the Blue Jays uh, as they begin an interesting offseason. As, as we know, they are, you know, transitioning towards a team that is not expected to contend in 2019 and 2020. Uh, they maybe are a year or two too late on this process. Uh, They decided to kind of half-heartedly go in on 2018 uh, with the hope that they could be uh, kind of a surprise club, Uh, but they really needed a lot of things to go right for them, and really none of them did. Josh Donaldson being injured for a a huge stretch of the season, injuries to Stroman and Sanchez. Um, You know, I've mentioned before uh, the Roberto Osuna situation as well. All of those factors were things that, should have if you know if everything had gone right the Jays could have been in the playoff race and essentially all of them went wrong so uh, they now they offloaded some of their veteran pieces Jay Happ some of the relief pitchers Donaldson of course ended up trading Osuna after that situation Um, they do have some good pieces in place but uh, the team needs more controllable starting pitching uh, and they do have a, a glut of position players that I think they can use in trade. So it will be an interesting offseason for the Blue Jays. Expect to see a, a quite a bit of player movement. But the 
the managerial search, I think, will come first before any of that player movement. And uh, it will be interesting to see what type of manager uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro bring in is in their first uh, big hire uh, uh, since taking over uh, the the ball club back in 2016. Uh, the playoffs have been uh, pretty entertaining, though. Uh, each LCS is tied at a game apiece at the time of this recording. Game three of the NLCS in Los Angeles between the Brewers and the Dodgers gets going this evening, Monday evening. Uh, and last night, the Red Sox with a big win to even up that best of seven at a game apiece. David Price still without a victory in the postseason, but for the first time in 13 playoff starts, his team his team has a victory in a game that he started. He lasted just four and two-thirds last night, gave up four earned runs, walked four. Didn't look great, but a step in the direct in the right direction after going only an inning and two-thirds uh, against the Yankees in the American League Division Series. So uh, we'll see if they try to turn to him for another start. He'd be in line to start game six, I guess, at this point, depending how they want to shake out their rotation. Nothing officially announced yet, but uh, still a possibility, it appears, that they could move him to the bullpen and use him kind of as a long guy or a swing guy uh, out of the bullpen. He's got good numbers out of the bullpen in his in his playoff career. So we'll see an interesting decision for rookie manager, Alex Cora. Uh, who do you want to see in the world series? Uh, we still have the possibility of a Houston LA rematch on the table, or you could get two storied franchises, the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, they just had a 12 game losing streak or excuse me, a 12 game winning streak snapped in game two against the Dodgers. They might be the you know the hottest team or the strongest team in in the league still remaining, uh, but there's just something you know unsexy about the Milwaukee Brewers. Maybe it's you know just want to have these big big market teams. Um, they do have the guy who's probably going to be the NL MVP and Christian Yelich, but uh, there's more star power on all these other teams. Um, and so I guess as a neutral observer, you kind of want to see those big stars, and that would be the Dodgers against the Red Sox or the Astros as uh, you know, two of the, uh, as the strongest contenders remaining. Uh, but still lots of baseball to be played. We know that each series will go five at the minimum. So we'll, we will have postseason baseball until at least Thursday uh, and at latest Sunday. So potential uh, for baseball every day of the week this week. We'll wrap up with some quick thoughts on the NFL. And uh, speaking of Boston, in Boston last night or in the Boston area, uh, as the Red Sox were taking care of the Astros in game two, Tom Brady and the Patriots were taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in a thrilling 43 to 40 shootout at Gillette Stadium. Uh, and the Patriots come away with it. And one more time, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots kind of shrug off uh, an attempt to knock them off their perch as the, you know, the number one team. Uh unofficially the number one team uh, with a four and two record. They are certainly not the number one team in the league, but holy crap, that was a good game. Uh, it was uh, kind of lopsided at halftime. I don't remember exactly what the score was, but the Chiefs really had to pour it on in the second half. They got that fumble. Brady fumbled at the 30-yard line, so the short field ended up uh, giving them an opportunity to tie the game, but a uh, lot of drama, a lot of points, and that's what you want to see in a football game. And there's been a lot of those this year, but uh, I think the consensus is, Hey, let's do whatever we can to get the Patriots and the chiefs in the AFC championship uh, in January. We want to see that again. The 
the pay, uh, the the Pats and the Chiefs have had some uh, some good battles in the regular season over the last couple of years with the with the Chiefs having some you know pretty famous victories over the Patriots and then the Patriots respond with uh, convincing postseason victories uh, and it would be it would be awesome to see that matchup one more time uh, and you know the old guy Tom Brady who they mentioned on the broadcast last night has played in more Super Bowls than Patrick Mahomes has started regular season games. That's like let that soak in for a second. So you'd have the you know the old guy, the goat, the incumbent Tom Brady against the up and comer and a guy who looks like he could be uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the next fifteen years facing off for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think you can have anything better than that. But speaking of young teams with creative head coaches and uh, exciting young quarterback, we all want to see the Patriots and the Rams in the Super Bowl, right? The Rams win on Sunday. They move to six and zero. And like they look unstoppable right now. They've they've won two in a row on the road. I believe they're going on the road again this week. Uh, it just it doesn't it it looks difficult on how you stop those guys. And uh, it would be you know similar to last year's Super Bowl as Carson Wentz and the Eagles were kind of this young up and coming team uh, with a new coach. And it would it would be the exact same kind of storyline as last year, but with a different team and an offense that looks. Like they can score on you however they want. And if you remember that Super Bowl last year, uh, was it 42-38 it finished? Something like that. Uh, We could see something like that again this year if those two teams hook up. But a lot of football still left to be played. Uh, It's been a great season so far, and I expect nothing less as we kick off Week 7 in a couple of days. The Broncos and the Cardinals are the the first game on the docket for Week 7. Let's take a look at the schedule for the next seven days to get you on your way for this third week of October. We'll begin Monday evening, 7.30. The LA Kings are in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs, 7.30. You can also watch Game 3 of the NLCS, the Brewers and the Dodgers, or at 8.15. You can watch Monday Night Football wrapping up Week 6. The San Francisco 49ers visit the Green Bay Packers. Not as marquee a matchup as we anticipated when the schedule was released. Of course, it was supposed to be Jimmy Garoppolo versus Aaron Rodgers, but Garoppolo blew his ACL in Week 3, done for the season, so uh, a much less exciting matchup now than it was uh just a, a month ago. Tuesday night, a couple of uh, baseball games, 5 o'clock, Red Sox at the Astros, Game 3, 9 o'clock, Brewers at the Dodgers, Game 4. Wednesday will be Game 5 of the Brewers and the Dodgers. That, at 5 o'clock, uh, gives you some time to watch some baseball before the Raptors season tips off. 7.30, Cavaliers without LeBron James in Toronto to take on the Raps. Simultaneously, TFC in D.C. to take on D.C. United. Uh, their season just playing out the string. Final two games of the year. They have been eliminated from the MLS playoffs. Uh, and 8.30 Red Sox and Astros. Game four going from Houston. On Thursday, a 7 o'clock puck drop when the Maple Leafs host the Pittsburgh Penguins. 8 o'clock Red Sox and Astros. Game five. 8.20 the Denver Broncos in Arizona to take on the Cardinals for Thursday night football as we kick off week seven of the NFL season. Friday, 8 o'clock, the Celtics at the Raptors for Toronto's second game of the season. Uh, Baseball, if necessary. Saturday, 4 o'clock, the Montreal Alouettes will be here to take on the Toronto Argonauts. 7 o'clock, the St. Louis Blues are at Scotiabank Arena to take on the Maple Leafs. Also at 7 o'clock, the Wizards uh, hosting the Toronto Raptors in D.C. And on Sunday, TFC 
at Montreal for their final road game of the season. Uh, correcting myself, they have three games remaining. Uh, so that is the, the penultimate game of the season, 3 o'clock in Montreal. Uh, 7.30 would be Astros and Red Sox game 7 if necessary. Long way to go between then. 8.20, the Bengals and the Chiefs on Sunday night football as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on Sunday night for the second week in a row. That's your jam-packed schedule for this third week of October, the 15th to the 21st. Three Leafs home games, three Raptors games to kick out the season, a couple of TFC games if you want to follow along as they wrap up their season. Argo's in there as well, and all kinds of uh, extra action in the MLB playoffs and the NFL schedule. I expect a good week for the Toronto Clubs. Three Leafs home games. I'm going to say two out of three victories. Raptors are, I'm going to say it, Raptors are going to start the season 3-0 and as well uh, behind uh, uh, big efforts from Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry. I'm in on the Raps this year. I think they're going to be a great team. Maybe not win number one seed in the regular season, but I think they're going to have a great year. So going to be a great weekend uh, and great week for the Toronto clubs. Sit back and enjoy the action. Weather outside getting a little bit cool. Sit on the couch, grab a drink, grab a snack. Great time to be a sports fan, as I mentioned last week. Thank you for joining me today on the 416 Sports Show. I'm Matt Dinick Antonio. You can follow me on Twitter at Dinick, D-I underscore N-I-C. And find the 416 Sports Show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google, wherever else you find your podcast. Leave a review, leave a comment, leave a rating, tell your friends. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, Toronto. We'll catch you next week.